to Agenda Breakdown, a podcast that explores how cities make decisions and how you can have a say. I'm Kim Bishop, and today we're going to talk about redistricting. What the heck is it, and why should we care? There's been a lot of chatter lately about redistricting, which is a process that Slow County is going through right now. If you heard about it and your eyes glazed over, don't worry, you're not alone. Instead of assuming that we're all familiar with the concept, I thought I would take a step back today and talk about what it means and how it works. Here to help me with that is Cal Poly political science professor, Michael Latner. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the basics. We all know that counties are made up of cities and that those cities are governed by city councils and mayors, but counties are also divided into districts. Michael, can you tell us what districts are? Yeah, so in California, we have a lot of local government. Um, As you mentioned, we have city councils and their executives or mayors. We also have school board districts. We have water districts. We have all kinds of special districts. And one of the basic units of California government is the county. And indeed, most of the state's services are actually provided by county governments. And by state law, county governments are governed by a board of supervisors of five supervisors. That's true for San Luis Obispo. It's even true for big LA County. So you've got five supervisors there. The only county that doesn't have a board of supervisors in the way that we do is San Francisco, which is a combination county city government. Why do we have districts? It's a really great question because it it begs the question, why do we have to redistrict? We have the board of supervisors that consists of five members and the State constitution determines that we elect them through single seat districts. So with five members, we have five districts. And so we have to carve the county up into five single seat districts every 10 years. The idea behind single seat districts is to ensure some sort of geographic representation. And what that really comes from is the, frankly, rather antiquated notion that communities are tied to geography, right? To the extent that certain types of people or certain types of industries and communities are tied to geography. The idea of geographic representation is that you'll capture that representation by carving out a a district to represent it. It's not, in fact, actually the case because some communities are represented geographically, but of course, some communities aren't. Some communities don't have a geographic basis in representation. And so it's just sort of the system that we've been left with, and it's uh, the system that the state constitution mandates. And so every 10 years, we have to determine new district boundaries. Have we always had those geographic districts or was there ever a time when we just had five supervisors and equal representation there? You know, it's a great question, and I don't actually know the answer to that. The state constitution changes quite a bit in California. As you know, we have the initiative and the referendum and all that. I mean, as long as I can remember, we have had five supervisors elected through single seat districts, but it's an interesting historical question. So every 10 years, the boundaries of the districts get redrawn. What does that process typically look like in our county? So that's sort of what one might think of as a disadvantage of single seat districts is that they they have to be redrawn as the population changes. And so every 10 years, when we have a a census, the decennial census provides us with population estimates. And because we have what has been deemed the one person, one vote rule, every 10 years, districts from all the way from Congress down to the local school board have to be redrawn to be roughly proportionate in population. That is, the districts need to be equally populated. And the reason for that is because if you have unequally populated districts, you have something called malapportionment, which means that people in less populated districts have more voting power. 
right? And, and we can think of this intuitively in terms of the U.S. Senate, right? Which is a chamber that is malapportioned by design. So Wyoming gets its two representatives with, you know, half a million people and California gets two representatives with 40 million people. We get screwed in that deal. For the county of San Luis Obispo, like many other counties in many other states, it is actually the elected officials themselves that do the redistricting. And so it's the county board of supervisors that's responsible for drawing up new maps, for using the census data and other political data in order to design their own districts. And you might immediately ask yourself, well, why do we allow elected representatives to choose their own voters as opposed to voters choosing representatives? Well, that's one of the downsides of the single seat district method and the state actually has addressed this issue by creating an independent redistricting commission. And so there's this really kind of cool deliberative process whereby we create this commission in the state every 10 years. And then it's the commission that chooses the boundaries. Similarly, our neighbors to the South in Santa Barbara, they have an independent redistricting commission. Some cities, the city of Long Beach, for example, uses an independent redistricting commission. And about a dozen of them exist at the local level in California. But in San Luis Obispo, it's the Board of Supervisors that's ultimately has the authority to select the map. What does that mean in terms of how those boundaries affect us as individual citizens? Well, it actually affects us in, in pretty profound ways. And I'll, I'll just give you two examples. The thing about single seat districts is that only one representative wins 100% of the representation. By definition, you're going to have people who are losers in elections. Their candidate doesn't win. Their party doesn't win. And so they don't have any representation within their district. Now, if we think about representation countywide, then, you know, we may or we may not get a proportional allocation of seats. And as long as a majority of voters are determining a majority of the seats on the board, we would consider that fair from the perspective of democratic theory. But the basic idea behind the, the principle of political equality is that everyone's vote counts the same. The, the seats should be proportional to, to vote shares, right? I mean, that's a basic rule of, of political equality. So the, the drawing of the boundaries is important because it determines representation. And the way that those boundaries are drawn, again, because their single seat districts can greatly affect the type of representation you get, right? So San Luis Obispo is a fairly competitive county, right? I mean, it's, it's lean Democrat over the last decade or so, but if things were proportional, it would be a roughly 3-2 county, right? And occasionally Republicans would win a, a majority if they do very well within the county. The downside with the single seat district method is, you know, if we maximize competition so that every district is 51-49, then we could end up with five Republicans and no Democrats or five Democrats and no Republicans, right? Just based on a slight vote swing. And so that's the other way that these district boundaries really matter, right? You can make districts very competitive. You can make districts very uncompetitive. We can draw them in such a way so that incumbents are protected. And so that even if there is a big swing in vote share, there's no change in terms of who's sitting on the board. And so these boundaries really matter in a profound way in terms of engendering representation, but then also in terms of public policy. Right. So one of the things that my research has shown nationally, looking at, at state legislatures, is that bias in state legislatures, when they're not representative of the public, that has a really big effect on the types of public policies that are passed. And not so surprisingly, those who are underrepresented in state legislatures tend to get the burden of bad policy choices. So when we're looking at public health policy or environmental policy and the like, groups that are underrepresented in state legislatures don't have their interests represented and the consequences are 
are really life and death in terms of looking at health outcomes across states, looking at COVID responses, for example, during the pandemic, the extent to which states made it easier or more difficult to vote during the pandemic. So these have big long-term policy consequences as well. Is an independent commission on the table for Slow County or is that ship sailed? It has sailed for this round of redistricting. So this is something that I think voting rights groups, the League of Women Voters, other groups in the county, bipartisan groups, you know, Republicans and Democrats support fair districts. I mean, I don't think anyone openly supports gerrymandering. And so this is something that the public needs to get behind. And it's something that we can put into place for the next decennial census. What are the supervisors going to decide at the November 19th meeting? Um, They're going to select a map for the the county staff to follow up on and look to adopt. And so this is going to be a chance, even though, you know, we don't have an independent redistricting commission, that doesn't mean that the public can't be involved. One of the things that's really changed in this redistricting cycle is that the technology to draw maps and to analyze census and election data has really been democratized. And what I mean by that is that there is now online software and there are free programs and free storage capacity and computational power so that average citizens can draw their own maps, they can look at the consequences of boundaries, and they can present evidence to the board of what kind of representation they would like to see on the board. And they can help ensure or at least pressure the Board of Supervisors to adopt a fair districting plan that doesn't discriminate against any voters. And so it's really important that people show up to these meetings to defend not just their their own community interests, but to ensure that every voter in San Luis Obispo County has a fair and equal chance at determining who sits on the board. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been an incredibly helpful conversation. I appreciate your time. You bet. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm really glad that you're focusing on the story. That brings us to the part of the show where I tell you how to make your voice heard, the action item. Today's action item actually has two parts. First, go to the county's webpage and take a look at the redistricting maps. Find out which district you're in and how the boundaries would change according to those proposed maps. Next, share your thoughts with the county supervisors by calling into the meeting or emailing them at redistricting at co.slow.ca.us. I will post that and links in the show notes and on our Instagram page at Agenda Breakdown. was produced by Francisco Martinez with original music by Wes Bischoff. That's all for now. See you next time on Agenda Breakdown.